This is Weather Jazz. Here's your host, Andre Bernier. Hi, everybody. This is episode number 106 for Thursday, May 7th, 2020. Wow, what an interesting time period, especially as we head into this weekend. Really, for the last couple of weeks, we have experienced a somewhat cold pattern. And that cold pattern has tossed us uh, periodically some late uh, season snowfalls. And this weekend upcoming is not going to be one of those exceptions. Uh, it is, at the very least, somewhat unusual to see snowfall in May. But it isn't all that rare. We do see it periodically, uh, but certainly unusual would be a word that would be appropriate since in the month of May we anticipate the flowers coming out, average temperatures shooting above 70, many of the days going into the 80s, and even periodically you can hit 90 degrees toward the end of the month. So we're not necessarily accustomed to talking much about snow in the month of May. Now, recently, there was a period where we ended up with two or three inches of sloppy, wet snow. It was May 15th in the year 2016. It was a Sunday morning. I remember that very, very clearly uh, because I was uh, pastoring a, a local church in Chesterland as an interim. And my wife, Sally, was driving our son, Noah, back down to Liberty University to do an intensive, a one-week intensive that was going to start that next Monday, May 16th. On the way down to Liberty, it started to snow, and my wife told me on Interstate 271, because all the plows had been put away, that there were people spinning out, going into the median and going onto the side of the road. Fortunately, she made it just fine, and once she pushed south of the snow belt, there was no more snow on the roadways, but there was plenty of snow in the snow belt in the high ground that year. And again, that was just a couple of years ago in 2016 on May the 15th. So it's not rare, but it certainly is unusual. It certainly got our attention that year. And by the way, the snow disappeared just as quickly as it came. It snowed in the morning, and by mid to late afternoon, everything, all traces of the snow was gone. Well, what we're going to be talking about today is something along those lines. However, uh, this will actually carry into June, July, and August. And you probably already know the year I'm going to talk about. It was the year without a summer, the summer of 1816. And yes, it did exist. It is not a myth. The date that everything started to turn around was actually a cataclysmic event that occurred in the Indonesian islands. It was Monday, April 10th, 1815. One of the biggest natural events occurred. Despite this event being located in the Pacific Island area known as Indonesia, it would ripple through our entire planet over the course of the next few years. Now, for the very young United States, the biggest impact would occur over a year later, the summer of 1816. 
Now, for many in the USA, it's the summer that simply never came, or if it did, it came in spurts, as we will see. The summer of 1816 is now very well known as the year without a summer. Uh, Other names have also been attached to this period. They've surfaced as the poverty year, the famine year, and the 1800 and froze to death year. Now, the cataclysmic event that we're talking about that occurred a year before, that was Mount Tambora that erupted. Now, listen to this. It sent 100 cubic miles of debris so high up in the atmosphere that it would be many years before eventually it all drifted back down to Earth under gravity's power. Unlike how fast the news of such an event like that would travel today, in fact, it would nearly be instantaneous, the news of that enormous eruption traveled very, very slowly. And if the truth be known, it was actually quickly forgotten with the passage of time. In the meantime, a veteran of the War of 1812, and by then a native of Vermont, who had moved to Vermont from Massachusetts, so he was really a native of Massachusetts, who settled in Vermont after marrying a local Vermont woman. His name was Nathaniel Foster. And in the spring of 1816, he began clearing a field to get it ready for planting a crop. It's what everybody did in that time period. But there was a problem. The field was literally loaded with trees. And while he did chop down the trees, he decided to leave the stumps and plant his crops all around the leftover stumps. He just didn't have the animal power and the tools necessary to pull up those stumps. As unsightly as it was, his decision to leave those stumps would save not only his crop that summer, But that decision would also ripple through the next few summers. But first, let's establish the weather pattern that greeted New Englanders in early of 1816. According to those keeping journals in the area in January and February, they were uncharacteristically mild. Uh, Not much snow fell that particular winter. And when spring arrived, without much fanfare, it was the month of March, and things started to warm up. By April, a mid-spring heat wave actually sent temperatures into the 80s for a large part of New England, including at Nathaniel's farm, where it reached 82 degrees, according to his journal. With such an early start to the growing season, you would think that the summer of 1816 would have been a banner year for food crops. But the weather pattern suddenly changed. By mid-May, the hazy dark skies prevented the warmth that was experienced in the start of that year. In fact, it was so cold that Fairfield, Vermont, saw three consecutive nights of air that was so cold, a hard frost seemed to thrust the area into suspended animation when it came to the growing season. So was this a strange temporary anomaly, or, worse yet, was it a harbinger of things to come? Some wondered, until early June, when temperatures were covered rapidly. Mid and even upper 80s were being experienced in the first five days of June, 1816. 
Ah, it was going to be a great summer. Or was it? By June 7th, the afternoon high temperatures could barely climb into the 40s. And by June 9th, the Vermont landscape looked like it should have been looking in January and February. According to a diary entry believed to belong to Rufus Hovey for June 9th, 1816. That was penned in nearby Brookfield, Vermont. It froze all day. The ground was covered by snow all day. All the trees on the highland turned black. Two days later, the same diarist penned, the apple trees have wilted and the ground is froze. Closer to the northeast kingdom of Vermont in Danville, the North Star newspaper reported that snow fell attended by high winds. In fact, the winds were so strong that it caused snow to blow and drift as high as 20 inches in depth. And the story goes on to recall that the June snowstorm was more severe than generally observed during any of the storms of the winter past. While there were breaks in the freakishly cold summer, the breaks were not long enough to allow most of the crops planted to survive. Nathaniel's corn crop was doomed if he sat back and just watched the weather decimate his corn plants. Well, he looked at his stump-studded field. What was once an irritant suddenly became his weapon against the extreme cold of that summer. He wondered if lighting those stumps with fire would provide enough heat to keep his corn crop alive. Well, Nathaniel did exactly that. Though the stumps did not burst into flame like a bonfire in the soil, rather, the remaining stump slowly smoldered. And during the worst of the cold periods of that particular summer, Nathaniel did everything he could to light and relight those smoldering stumps, sometimes getting very little sleep according to Fairfield historical records. While virtually every other farmer's corn crop failed that summer, Nathaniel's not only survived, but thrived as a result of the burning stumps. His corn crop that summer gave him plenty for the winter ahead and enough to store as seed corn for the following summer. Now, the market for corn went for 75 cents a bushel before that episode began in the summer of 1816. However, it rose to almost $3 a bushel by the end of the summer, 1816. This could have been Nathaniel's means to becoming a very wealthy man. Upon hearing of his banner crop, many people actually traveled to him to offer to sell his corn crop to those in desperate need of both food and seed corn. Some even offered to sell his corn for an astronomical $5 a bushel. Nathaniel said no. He held on to the seed corn through the spring of 1817, not to sell it for even more money, but for a much more noble purpose. He sold the seed corn to neighbors in Vermont and actually any other farmer who made it to his door, but he limited how much each could buy to discourage speculators from bothering him. His price could have easily been over $5 a bushel. 
but he sold every farmer seed corn for only a dollar a bushel. God had been graciously abundant to him, and he was passing on that blessing to other farmers that had no crop the year before. Many refer to Nathaniel's bounty as Egypt, referring to the Bible and the narrative of Joseph, who stored grain for the seven years of plenty so that everyone in the area could have something to eat during the seven years of famine that followed. And you can read that in Genesis chapters 41, 42, and 43. And that is why today you will find in the town of Fairfield, Vermont, Egypt Road and Egypt Cemetery. And as you probably have already guessed, Nathaniel Foster is buried there. And you can do a search, all kinds of search tools available, but many will lead you to a website called findagrave.com. And a link to that site that I have provided is on weatherjazz.com, episode 106. You're going to see a photo of the obelisk and the headstone, along with an image of the kind gaze of Nathaniel Foster. And you can read more about this period of time, along with 31 other interesting Vermont historical events that helped to shape the state in a book called It Happened in Vermont by Mark Bushnell. I'll provide a link on episode 106, that post always available at weatherjazz.com. Well, as we head into this particular interesting period of time this weekend where we might actually see some accumulating snow going into this early May period, just remember uh, that as we go into June, July, and August with uh, no volcanic activity that we know of on the globe, it looks like summer a regular summer will arrive. It may take a little time because this cold pattern is going to have to flip, but there is evidence of that will take place in the latter half or second half of May, and that's definitely good news. And it looks like we'll be off and running to a decent start to the summer. Well, that wraps up this edition of Weather Jazz, and we'll catch you next go-around right here, weatherjazz.com. (laughs) 